Welcome to the Light of God's Word broadcast, a broadcast that is shining the light of God's Word through expositional teaching of the Bible. This broadcast is a ministry of Lighthouse Independent Baptist Church in Lewisburg, Tennessee. You can find more information about our church at www.lewisburglighthouse.com. We pray that this broadcast is a blessing to you. Thank you so much for joining us once again as we continue our journey today as we study through the book of 1 Corinthians. And I encourage you, if you have your Bible, to open it to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And uh, we'll continue looking at the salutation of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and beginning in verse number 1. Paul writes here, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenes, our brother. Now, that's what we looked at last week, and I'll take just a moment this week to do a quick recap of what we looked at last week. First of all, we find that Paul indeed was an apostle. Uh, He was the author and the main writer of this book uh, of the Bible, and of course, this was Paul writing to a church that he had planted and had been away for some time and is now writing concerning some issues that they were facing within the church. He wrote with the authority of being apostle of Jesus Christ, noticed through the will of God. And so as we look at this, we find Paul, and then secondly, we looked at his associate, which was Sothenes, a brother in the faith. And now we find ourselves at verse number two, where the Bible says, "...unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints." with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So now we come to the character of the church. First, look at this, unto the church of God. Now the word church is used in Scripture as a collective term for the people of God considered as called out from the world. Now, sometimes it means the whole number of God's people, as when it said that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Sometimes it means the people of God as a group of people. For instance, when Paul talked about in his past in Galatians that he persecuted the church of God. So once again, that's talking about a group of people. And then sometimes, as we find Here, it means the professing Christians of any one place, as when mention is made of the church in Jerusalem, or the church in Antioch, or the church in Corinth. Now, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, this is written specifically to the church of Corinth. And just a little background on this city, Corinth was a very large city, nearly 750,000 people, of whom some 500,000 were said to be slaves. Now, One writer notes that Corinth was noted for its wealth, its luxurious and immoral and vicious habits of the people. It was given to idolatry. It it had gross immorality that went along with the idolatry. And some of these in Corinth were saved from this wicked lifestyle. Unfortunately, however, the wicked culture of the church, I'm sorry, of the city rather, had an evil influence upon the church. And so we find as we continue through verse 2, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. The word sanctified means set apart or consecrated. And so the Christians in the church at Corinth were consecrated to 
Jesus Christ. They were set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. They were called saints, and a saint is one who is separated from the world and consecrated to God, a believer in Christ. And every sinner becomes a saint at the moment of salvation. There's no process towards sainthood uh, as uh, some religions will teach. The moment that you're saved, you are adopted into the family of God, and you become a saint. Now, this was written uh, to all the church. The Bible says, with all that in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Then we come to the greeting in verse number three, where Paul writes, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this was a very common greeting by Paul in verse three, grace be unto you and peace. This was a normal greeting from from Paul, and the grace and peace occurs in every single letter that Paul has written. Some Jews will still greet one another with the term shalom, which means peace. I want us to notice also the character of the greeting in verse 3. Grace and peace here are more than just a greeting. They emphasize great truths of the word of God. Uh, The origin of grace and peace, for instance, notice, is from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace come from Jesus Christ. And the reason that our world demonstrates little grace and has little peace is that they want little to do with Jesus. It should not surprise us that our world is filled with strife if they don't know Jesus. It's, It's not surprising that there's little grace extended in our world. You see, many times we, we struggle because we expect people who don't know Christ to live like people who do know Christ and do follow the teachings of Christ and are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But understand this, the grace and peace that Paul is writing about comes from God our Father. Uh, you know, oftentimes, as, as Jesus has spoken, uh, you're as your father or the devil, and many people will act just like their father. And uh, we should act like our heavenly father We should act like Jesus Christ. And so uh, we find the origin, the grace and peace come from Jesus Christ. Uh, We find also the order of grace and peace. Paul uses this greeting in every letter. In each case, grace always comes before peace. As uh, one writer named Hodge says, grace is favor and peace its fruits. Grace is favor and peace its fruits. In salvation, the grace of God comes first in providing salvation. And then when it's received, it brings about peace. Understand this, there's no peace with God until grace is present. Can I take just a moment and talk to you about this wonderful, gracious gift that God has given called salvation? Maybe you've heard that term. Maybe you've grown up in a, in a church upbringing and you hear the term salvation, or maybe you're just familiar with it as you hear it uh, throughout society, this thing of salvation and this thing of grace. You see, we need the grace of God because of our sin. And the Bible teaches us in uh, many places, but I'll specifically point to Romans chapter number three, where the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. By nature, we're sinners. At the beginning uh, of, of creation, uh, a man named Adam was created, and uh, a woman named Eve was created. 
they were perfect, and they lived in a perfect environment that God had created, but they chose to sin. And the Bible says that's one man's sin. Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. You see, death is a byproduct of our sin. Adam sinned, and death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We've all sinned, and as the Bible teaches us there, as I mentioned in Romans chapter 3, we have come short of the glory of God. God has a very high standard. His standard is perfection. And unfortunately, due to our choices, each and every one of us comes short of that glory. Each and every one of us falls short of that mark of perfection because we have sinned. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we've sinned, there is a price for that sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That first part of Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us that the wage or the payment that is due because of our sin is death. That death, unfortunately, would be a death in hell, eternally separated from a holy, wonderful God. But the second part of that verse gives us hope because it tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That that conjunction, but there, is used often because what is to follow is actually more powerful and means more even than what went before. And can I say what's more powerful than the wages of sin? That's the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible tells us, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God knew our predicament. God knew our problem. We were sinners, and we come short of the glory of God. There's nothing in us that earns his love or earns his grace. In fact, the word that we were talking about this morning is grace, and that is unmerited favor. But God in his grace and God in his love commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, not because we deserved it, but in fact because we, we could not deserve it. He came and died on a cross and was buried and resurrected to pay the price for our sins. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God loves you. Despite your sin, God loves you. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, having lived a perfect life. He was buried, and three days later, up from the grave, he arose to pay the price for sin. That is the gift of God that Romans chapter 6 is talking about, the gift of salvation. There's that word we were talking about earlier, salvation. It's the gift of salvation. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace, there's that word grace again, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, a wonderful gift has been provided by grace. But the question is then, how do we receive that precious gift? 
we receive that precious gift by faith. There was a time where Paul and Silas were locked up in a jail, and God sent an earthquake which opened the doors of the jail, but no one fled. The, the keeper of the prison would have indeed had to pay a magnificent price if any of them had escaped, but they hadn't. And so Paul cried out to him and said, do thyself no harm. He was going to hurt himself, kill himself. And so Paul said, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And this man was moved, and he came to them, and he asked them a very important question. He said, what must I do to be saved? In other words, he was asking, what must I do in order to have salvation? And their response wasn't necessarily any, any work that he could do, but rather this was their response. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The reality is the way that we receive the precious gift of salvation is believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the full price for our sin. He was buried, and three days later, he resurrected as the payment for our sin. And believe in him. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The Bible also tells us, for whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible tells us that we believe that Jesus Christ Jesus Christ died and was buried and resurrected, we shall have salvation. You receive your salvation, that precious gift, by believing, by placing your faith in nothing that you can do, as we read earlier, as I quoted earlier from Ephesians chapter 2, not of works. It's not anything that I can do to earn. I'm incapable of earning it, but God has offered it freely. Can I ask you this morning, has there ever been a time where you took your faith out of any good work that you could do, out of anything that you've done to earn your salvation, because it can't be earned, and you placed your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross of Calvary through the borrowed tomb and resurrected triumphant over the grave? Have you ever put your faith and trust in him? Have you ever called out to him and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I know that you are the Savior, and I believe that you died, you were buried, and you resurrected to pay the price for my sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You receive the grace of God. But can I say, along with that grace comes a wonderful peace. If you've done that, I'd encourage you to reach out to us on our email, uh, lewisburglighthouse at gmail.com. We'd love to celebrate with you. And, and remember, for those of you who are born again, you're saved. Be a light to others so that through you they may see the glory of God.